Welcome to another episode of 551 Podcast. I am Wes Berdine, and I'm joined, as always, uh, as most of the time. As right? most of the time. By uh, Jeff Reuter. How are you, man? I'm doing well. It's good to have you back last week. Uh, how did... Well, let's talk about this for a second. You didn't go to China. I did not go. I decided not to sign with um, Real Beijing United. That's... Uh, instead... I'm here. That's big, because yeah. I thought you were going to be with... I was going to take the Chinese podcast money, but... Which I totally understand. It's five times as much money as we make for this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Which is still nothing, but uh, that's I've still got, pretty I've cool. I've got integrity. Um, and also with us, join, joining us is um, uh, resident uh, nautical expert, uh, part-time uh, soccer uh, aficionado, uh, Jamie Watson. How are you, Jamie? Good. Full-time non-player anymore, so... I know. You've put on... 35 pounds I'm, you look like chunk from the goonies now this is every offseason except this one i didn't get back into shape for preseason so it's a vicious cycle every offseason i'm just uh i'm just not breaking it now it's a permanent offseason well you're looking good you're looking like um jamie adama in season two of uh battlestar galactic if you can hear that rubbing as wes compliments jamie that's wes rubbing his leg i yeah, want to yeah, promise that's, you that's, that's excitedly leg. excitedly rubbing. <laughs> Hey man, thanks. Season that's two, very nice can, of you. You can catch up on season two of. Uh, I'm only in season one. I'm halfway yeah. there. Okay, um, but you are. You've just recently retired. Yep. Uh, and you are now working for Minnesota United. Right? I am. And what is the job that you have? Uh, the job description is the hardest. Was the hardest part of the whole process trying to figure out what it is. It'll be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But on the biggest role will be on game days doing the TV sideline reporting. Um, so I'll be down on the field, kind of mixing in my relationship with players on Minnesota United, on other teams around the league, uh, along with Coach Adrian Heath. I will hopefully try to get you some good questions, some non-cliche-ish questions, hopefully some uh, invoke a good reaction or two out of Adrian. Um, may not be good for me, may be good for viewership. Um, and then during the week, whenever there are events and functions with Minnesota United, uh, speaking engagements, community outreach, uh, I will be actively involved with that. So uh, the job title puts on a few different hats, but kind of like my career, I'm really a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. So I'll just uh, an inverted sideline reporter. That's yeah. What we'll call you, just coming in from the from the from the wing, and yeah. That's that's uh, fits Adrian's system. I, I just fit the Minnesota United front off system. I think you're set to go. I think the yeah. the biggest role that Jamie has been playing so far this pre- this off season has been running the Facebook lives over the last couple of weeks. He's really kind of made that his own, and will be has been asking players questions because you've seen when Jamie isn't a part of it, you just have like Christian and Miguel passing a microphone back and forth trying to keep up, and they can't do it. But now we finally have the stabilizing presence. We have the Andres Iniesta of Facebook Live right here. Well, thank you, and the uh, the height of Lionel Messi. So it's uh, <laughs> that's the only time you'll ever hear those two names, mine and Lionel yeah, Messi, yeah. in the same sentence. <laughs> but we're trying to make those fun. We'll try to make them even better, and we'll try to introduce some good pieces in. This year, because I think uh, I think that's going to be the biggest thing I can bring is the ability to connect players and fans. I've tried to do that my whole career, so I'm going to try to do that with other people now and other players. So that's going to be my goal, and hopefully we can uh, accomplish that. Yeah, well, um, we'll we'll certainly talk more about that later in the show. Um, but before we get there, we're going to do. We've got a lot to actually get through. We've got the magic of the FA Cup. We've got Heath gets his man. We've got, they're not saying boo. They're saying you still play professional soccer uh, because Nguche Anyewu signed for Philadelphia Union 
two years after his last professional match. match. And um, take that, Landon. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the the last note is that we'll say we've got music coming in from uh, big quarters. And uh, the last thing I'll say is that just this week on fifty five one we launched a patron campaign, and so you should go to the website and uh, if you enjoy the breaking news that we bring, uh, the you know uh, dumbass comments and jokes that we can make with someone like uh, Jamie Watson, uh, then go to the website and you know it's it's NPR style three dollars five dollars a month. It's uh you know. It's cheaper than a beer. But so. we don't give out tote bags. But we do not yet. Yeah, no, screw yet. you and your tote bags. So, um, so anyway, go, go check that out. But uh, we'll come back and we'll do the good, the bad, and the weird. Welcome back to the 55.1 podcast. I'm Wes. I'm Jeff. And then this guy. Jamie. Hi. We're in, we're in a nice little triangle here. Um, as, I didn't have a joke you would for be it. with three people. Yeah. <laughs> it would be three better points. as opposed to a line. Just a yeah, straight line. I, yeah, I guess we could be. You're talking right. Over, okay. Talking over Jamie. That'd be All great. All right. No more. That's the one no height joke we get for this. We'll go on with the good. Yeah. Let's so start there. we're doing our weekly whip around of everything that has nothing to do with Minnesota soccer, which is called the good, the bad, and the weird. And every week there are only three stories in world soccer that occur outside of Minnesota. So we try to give you all three. This one, the good, um, is a little weird actually, but there were two non-league sides that made it into the round of 16 uh, of the FA Cup, which is like the U.S. Open Cup for British people, I guess. They'll love that I said that. Yeah, because no one knows what the FA Cup is nope. listening I'm here to help. Uh, Sutton Foster United. Now, Sutton United beat Leeds and Lincoln beat Brighton. So now Sutton hosts Arsenal in like a 5,000-seater stadium. And uh, Lincoln visit Burnley. And, well, Burnley probably also has a 5,000-seater stadium. So uh, Gander Green Lane is, is what uh, where Sutton United play. Um, so, yeah, hosting, hosting Arsenal there will be pretty awesome. Semi-pro team... Uh, and then um, also former U.S. men's national team uh, player David uh, Wagner, probably Wagner. Probably Wagner. David Wagner, uh, who now heads up Huddersfield. He's ho- uh, hosting Man City, so that's a pretty big deal. I feel like you have to like break out the guest sheets or something if Man City's in town. Yeah. It's just being a good host. I don't know. Um, the, the, the biggest upset that you were ever a part of, Jamie? Um. Probably part of the Open Cup uh, with the Wilmington Hammerheads, the Mighty Mighty Hammerheads. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to the Carolina Railhawks away. This is USL 2. We went to USL 1. Carolina was much better than us on the night. Probably one of the craziest games we've been part of. We came back and we won in a shootout um, against Carolina away, which was a lot of fun. Kind of the magic of the Open Cup, very similar to the FA Cup. So um, that one comes to mind. Um, other than that, I mean, there's obviously crazy games like the 2011 USL Championship game against Harrisburg. We scored in the 90th minute. They scored in the 95th minute to put it to overtime. Um, We'd gone down to 10 guys about the 50th minute. Um, Thought we'd won it with a Lawrence Olam goal. Place went crazy. They scored literally with the last kick of the game. Um, And then uh, they scored first in overtime, so we were down 2-1. So we're thinking, oh my God, we're just going to go up from winning 1-0 in the 90th minute to down a man to now being down 2-1. Um, we tie it late, uh, goes to penalties. We make the first two, they miss the first two. 
Um, 2-0 looks like it's going to be over after 3-4 at the worst. We miss the next two. They make the next two. <laughs> then they miss the fifth round one, and DeVore and Jorsling uh, scores to, um, to win it for us. So, I mean, there's crazy games, but that, yeah. that was probably the, the craziest one, the Wilmington and Carolina game back in 09. When you signed for Wilmington, um, did you know that it was in was it North or South Carolina? It's North Carolina. Okay. I, every, I literally just last year discovered Wilmington is not Wilmington, Delaware. No, I thought there was a Wilmington, Delaware team. Well, I actually no, still thought it was. This is news to me. It's in, Seriously, it's no, it's a beach town in beach town, North Carolina. You'll never wow. pay more than two dollars for a beer. Yeah, uh, it's literally you're either twenty one and under, and you go to UNC Wilmington, or you're like sixty and older because you've made all your money and you're retiring and you just want to live on the beach. No yeah. joke. It is literally there is nothing in between. Yeah. Two dollars a beer. I, only, I think that Wilmington is ready for MLS guys. Yeah. Yes. Well, they're losing the 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 USL team is 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 uh, picking up and going to Baltimore. Yeah. So I don't know so. if they're ready for MLS. If not even ready for you know USL at the moment, <laughs> they've they've struggled to keep a team afloat there, which is sad. They've got really nothing else there, and they really support the team. But and I enjoyed my time there a lot. But if the, my fondest memory was uh, a lot of Cougars, two dollars a beer. That was you run into a lot of Cougars in your day there. No, I was like uh. twenty two. I was like just. I don't even know. I was, I, I was like everyone's, 24, I think. Everyone's, hey, I'm sure they had money. They could buy you $2 drinks all night. So uh, <laughs> let's go to the bad, which is the U.S. men's national team uh, yawning into the arena era, uh, playing to a nil-nil draw with Serbia's C team. I did not watch this. I tried. I did. Okay. Was it, Is there it, anything? It wasn't so much the ugly as it was kind of just the stale and the rusty and... That you could tell we just had a couple months off of an MLS offseason. Yeah. Which yeah. is it's a January camp, isn't it? You know, those games have never really been, you know, thrilling yeah. matches. But I think it was a good opportunity. I think a couple of guys made a good case for themselves. But other than that, I think there was also some missed opportunities in there. Yeah. And, Who and, stood out to you right. in this group? Well, I think obviously Nagby really showed that what it can do to a player's confidence to have a new coach in that instantly puts his faith in you to start in a game whether it's a world cup match or a world cup qualifier or just a friendly like this if a coach comes in in his first game as he calls you into camp and he starts you um as a player you kind of believe that this guy had a lot of other choices and he went against the grain to start me so that means something um i actually think sebastian legette did well for himself Kind of coming in, obviously Bruce Arena knows what he's going to get most out of him more than anybody else in this country. But still played legit, kind of out of position from his LA days, you know. But you, to to you and I, it may seem out of position, but to Bruce, who's seen him every day for the last three years or so, that he's been in LA. Is he in his third season now? I think. Yeah, third. Sounds about right. He uh, he obviously sees something that he's got the ability to play there because I think that's the last thing Bruce Arena of all people would do is to misutilize a guy that he's just had his hands on every day with, you know? So, so maybe that's the genius of Bruce is that he can do something that we may see as out of position, but he may say, I know something different from my experience and I'm going to go off of that. So I trust in Bruce. I tweeted out that I had a sense of calmness actually seeing Bruce arena at the end of the bench. And that was kind of the first time in a while I had really felt that way watching a men's national team game. Granted, it's a, Jeff Jeff told you that he urinated immediately after Bruce in the urinal in L.A. Right? Yeah, I heard about that, okay. and then I heard you two were after 
as many coaching sightings and urinals as you could. <laughs> we did, yeah. yeah we, in some combination. How, how did it turn we had, out? We had, our, we had our, uh, our, our urinal cake bingo. Uh, it didn't turn out that great. It wasn't a black. When does it ever, though? Yeah, uh, no. Even no. if you would have saw all of those coaches, would you have really won? No, no, I think that's no, still a loss. Not at all. <laughs> um, let's go to the weird, which is that uh, Ernie Stewart, uh, gets his gooch, which is at uh, a Gucci Anyewu. He has played, I think I saw in the last like five years, he's played less than 50 games. Yeah. I think it's actually more than five years, but um, he hasn't played a professional match since 2015 and he signed for a Philadelphia Union. It's not like he's going in as he's being signed as, as the starter for the center back, but it is kind of a weird. It's weird. It, it was also weird. So now with the kind of transparency that MLS is trying to procure, any mechanism that's used in a player signing has to be announced. And we found out that Philadelphia used a discovery claim on him. So they discovered an old hobbled Yoda of Oguchi Anyewu. That discovery list is a thing that amazes me because it can be something that it's one of the most well-known players in U.S. soccer over the last decade, and you're discovering yeah. them. Are you well, on a discovery you discover list? Do you think I might be on a discovery list? As crazy I as hope it sounds, you are. You might be on a discovery list. I hope I am. I don't. Uh, I was talking. Am. I was talking to Wes. Sorry, oh, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. You're, not, you're definitely not. Well, on I mean, there's, there's me, the, the famous story of of someone walking by an office uh, after you know walking through out of a game at the Philadelphia Union and seeing the discovery list written out, and Zlatan was on it, and they just took a picture. And then they confirmed, yeah, that was our discovery list. Yeah, it's it's that bizarre. Just it's that, that crazy. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, all right, well, let's take a break. We will come back. It's Minnesota United FC news time, and uh, the big money is rolling out. Kevin Molino's in town, so we'll be back. Welcome back to the 55-1 Podcast. I'm Jeff. Wes is chugging on his Strongbow Cider, and we have Trinidadian slang expert Jamie Watson in the house, too. And we're going to be talking about Minnesota United FC, something that the three of us are probably more capable of talking about than the FA Cup. So uh, the big news, actually, is that a former teammate of Jamie Watson's was brought in. And for whatever reason, even though it's the former teammate of a retired player, I'm not worried about it. So that's good. We have Kevin Molino. What, yeah, oh, I, I was trying to get the logic of, of what you were saying. Yes, yeah, yeah. Kevin, so long, long running story. Paul Tenorio of four four two captured kind of the different stages of of uh, Heath's uh, love notes being sent down to his his former his former charge in Orlando, and um, and you know it seemed far more precarious when we were trying to get at this story, and it came out at the draft. And it was basically like, if this gets out, everything's scuppered. Uh, there was a lot of... It, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't heard the backstory on why everything was so touchy there. But a couple of MLS teams... He was being shopped out to, to some MLS teams. A couple of MLS teams were interested. Eventually, Minnesota come in and they offer 650 total. It's 450 GAM, which is the, the more precious stuff. 200 TAM. And then uh, Orlando sends Molino and Patrick McLean to Minnesota. And so, luckily enough, we've got uh, Molino, hot boy Molino expert here, Jamie Watson, <laughs> uh, to, to tell us about him. You, uh, 
you discovered Kevin Molino. Is this correct? Yeah, I was down in uh, Trinidad and I found him on just he's playing beach soccer. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be the world's greatest scout if I found him. And he's record-breaking transfer fee. No, um, but you did play play with each other at Orlando in the USL days. So. Yeah, I was with Kevin in Orlando when we first went to Orlando in 2011, and he's not a big guy now. But imagine Kevin before he's probably ever seen a weight room. Um, in 2011, six years ago, um, at training with us. I mean, he could not have been more than 135 pounds. And you could see that there were these moments of uh, brilliance that he would have, but it was very few far in between. And there was a lot of frustration moments. And, and I'm sure Adrian will tell you too, is is you could see there was this diamond in the rough, but it was going to take a lot of polishing. And, and Kevin will probably tell you, he was a guy that would be on the bench uh, sometimes he'd come in, sometimes he wouldn't play. I'm sure he's probably left out of some 18s at some points in that season, which is amazing to to see the transformation to what it was um, over the USL days to when he was there in 2014 and I had, I had just left. He scored like 20 goals that year and absolutely lit the league on fire. Playing as a number 10. Yeah, yeah. and just that did was... Someone, in the offseason, did someone just give him like a like a protein shake for Christmas? And I think Adrian finally convinced him that if he wants to actually play this game and make a ton of money like he wants to do, you know, he's got to hit the weight room and he's got to score goals. Yeah. Um, you know, Adrian would always tell him, the player like you always has to either score or create a goal each game. That's the kind of player you are. And if you want to be a big money player, Adrian always says... There's a reason the goal scorers are the highest paid players. If you can score a goal, you'll make the most money in this game. And so I think Kevin really started to figure out his role within Adrian's uh, formation, which he can brilliantly play the outside right, outside left in the 4-2-3 one, or he can play the number 10. And when that kid has confidence, um, he's very hard to stop. Um, quick funny story. Kevin, if you had Kevin on your possession team uh, in training, you never lost. This kid would keep the ball in the tightest of spaces and one, two around you. And you get so pissed off at him because he'd be laughing and his confidence would be going and he'd be giving you his, uh, his confident, uh, trash talking and his Trinidadian. And honest to God, you were trying to kick him, but you couldn't get near him. And he is the slipperiest or shiftiest crafty little player in tight spaces. And when that kid is on, even if you want to kick him, into the into the stands you can't you can't get near him i mean he's that he's that good and i think do they have otters in trinidad um i'm not even like a like a otter like 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 the animal yeah like an animal that you try to grab and it's sleek and it gets away from you yeah i I mean yeah yeah, trinidadian otters everyone knows about them right yeah i mean they're they're indigenous right (laughs) yeah exactly i just assume they're all over the place yeah so there you go he just got his first he learned he learned from the the natural habitat around him he's just he's he's the otter yeah exactly i mean it's fun it's fun to talk about him because he literally has evolved and and I was joking with you guys. He was he was one of the guys buried in the depth chart. One of the one of the furthest down as an outside midfielder on that team in 2011. And then you fast forward six years later, and six years with Adrian Heath, the guy transforms you into a player that ties for the record breaking league transfer fee. Yeah, in a sense like that, he's to Adrian kind of what Miguel Ibarra is to Manny. It's a player who's just kind of at their best, or they had their best moments under this coach or in now this general manager in. Lago's case, hopefully, but also just a player who was very raw, but the talent was there and they needed the right coach to kind of guide them along in that way. And so being able to have 
Kevin Molino back with Adrian Heath. That's massive. Is he is he the best player on this roster? Just pure talent, um, at least in your opinion. He can play a couple positions too. First off, wonderful analogy with Abara and Manny. Could not be more spot on. Um, nailed it. Um, best player. <laughs> Jeff just puts his hands behind his head. Oh, right? kicks it back. Oh, man. I nailed, I nailed that analogy. <laughs> done, with cigarette the, done with the podcast, there. guys. It's up to you. Um, it's hard to say because I haven't seen guys like Calvo or Demidov or Schuler play yet. Um, I'm a big fan of Saeed. I think he's wonderful, and, and in this system, he's going to thrive. Um, if you're talking front four attacking, he is probably the guy that can create the most, but is he not an outfinisher like Christian can? Because Christian can score any way you like. Um, Kevin's a very side foot finisher, very smart, very calm. So is Christian. I mean, Miguel's pace is rapid. I mean, if you're going to take one player to start the team, I don't think you're crazy if you take Molino. Um, and I think there's a strong argument for it. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's move on to the the other news, which is that uh, they got a goalkeeper too. Hey! So it's not you. So, so th- in your contract, where it was kind of you'll do a little of this, little of that, you're not playing goalkeeper, man. Well, the yeah. one requirement is you have to be able to touch the crossbar. And, well, <laughs> right. Tell that to it. Nick Romando. I think he can maybe touch the crossbar. I don't know. Him or, uh, shoot, who's the... Give me a team. Akira Fitzgerald. Okay. That guy's short, too. Yeah, he got... Uh, we found that out with Christian shot three minutes into the season, right? Well, that was fun. That was a that's when we goal. thought that we were gonna like uh, go we undefeated and win the league. <laughs> oh, and... those are those moments. Anyway, so uh, Minnesota United signs John Alvberger. There we go. It's easy for you to have say. you worked on that. No, I haven't. So I'm actually glad you said it first. Alvberger. Alvberger. Sure? Yep, I've looked it if up. If you go to IKEA, you can find a nice sectional that's named <laughs> after him. I just if, picked up a nightstand yeah. named John Alvberger. Hey, if, that's if, not too bad. Like, if there isn't some sort of IKEA sponsorship that comes out of signing all these uh, Scandinavians, then it's a I shame. mean, basically, they should just have videos of Alvberger working at IKEA. Or a day in, in his gear, or a day where a lot of people just frustratedly bring their boxes of IKEA stuff to be constructed, and he constructs it for them. That's genius. You take this Eric Durkee and you run with it. Ten oh, percent. Gosh, yeah, we get we need to get started. Just charging. like that Christian Mingle thing so I suggested. He's thirty four year old uh, keeper from Gothenburg, and he he is signing on a six month loan. It can be extended to to another eighteen months after that. Um, it's hard to know. It's kind of odd bringing an, that kind of older keeper in, um, but you know, I mean, in fairness, it's not starter. unprecedented. It reminds me a lot, and a hat tip to my brother Jake for pointing this out to me uh, over the weekend. It reminds me a lot of Jimmy Nielsen when he came in with Sporting Kansas City. Yep. Um, Nielsen was thirty three, so one year younger, so he was just a spry young guy compared to John Alfberger, but. He did step in. He started almost every single match for four years. He won the goalkeeper of the year in the second to last year and that he was with them. And then in his last year he was with them, he was in a penalty kick shootout and helped them win MLS Cup over Real Salt Lake. So it's not like signing a goalkeeper who's 33-34 is detrimental. You saw Tim Howard come in, who I think is in a different class than John, but he stepped in to a Colorado team that was already in the playoff hunt and as we talked to uh, um, talked about this with Eric Miller last month when we interviewed him, 
he wasn't intimidated by places like Seattle or like Portland. He was like, yeah, I've seen bigger. I started for Manchester United, so this is nothing. We can take these guys. And then he was able to come up with some big penalty stops, too. So, yeah, I think it's entirely plausible to think that he can step in and do a good job. Although I'm going to say Gothenburg is not playing in bigger stadiums than Seattle. No, but, but were they in the? I thought I heard they were in the European zone uh, for the last couple of years. They could, they could have been. But um, I mean, I think that regardless, you've got six months. If he, if if March and April aren't going well, they're going to be looking. Corsay may be fit by then, and they wanted Corsay. There's going to be other keepers out there, and so to me, it, it is a very low risk thing. He could be great, and then you've got him. But yeah, I think it was. I think it was a good move. It's a good. It's a good feeling out process for the club, and I think it's a smart bit of business. I think, confidently speaking, I know that he'll probably enjoy it just like most people do when they come here and get settled in. They start to realize Minnesota is actually pretty great. Um, you don't think it when you're not, and you've never been here, and you're not planning on coming here. You think, I'm not going there. But when you are here, you'll like it, um, but it gives them a chance to see if they like him. So I think it's right. a smart bit of business on yeah. Minnesota United, actually very smart on Minnesota United's end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can and, see that. and so at this point, they've got three keepers. They've got uh, Albuga, McLean, Farrell. They could sign, uh, what's Carducci's first Marco. name? Marco Carducci. Who... And this is a, a late question by yeah. Alex Schieferdecker. Um, he is, uh, Marco Carducci is a young player. He was brought up through the Vancouver Whitecaps system. He trained with Marius Rovdi his entire professional career. Um, I don't know. I mean, Alex's question is, is that enough? Is that a goalkeeper? Alex depth chart seems to think with? that you need three on day one. You need three fit goalkeepers, and I think that he's wrong. You don't need to sign a fourth goalkeeper if you don't want to. But they may think that Farrell's a guy they just want to send off to USL or something. Or? So there, I mean, there's a chance to develop one of them. Yeah, you know what I mean. I think I don't have a problem with four on a roster if you have plans to send one out where they're getting games, meaningful right. games. But if you have four on the roster, um. Like you saw last year with yeah. us, it, that's hard to balance in a training session, right. you know, at times. And I think that for whatever reason, it worked out that way last year. Um, but I think because Christian was reading magazines mainly in the in the in the gazebo. But well, I'm, just, I'm kidding. No, I <laughs> I'll think, make the Christian jokes. You don't. No, they were they were all they were all consummate <laughs> pros, but none of them were, you remember- were young, go out on loan type guys. So right. if you have yeah. one or two of them, possibly you could mutually benefit from sending. One out for a couple months, and then bringing one back, and then sending one out type thing, where right. they where everyone develops, and this team is very much built around building towards the future. Um, in stark contrast to years before, uh, when it wasn't necessarily about the future, it was about the now. Right. Um, I think this is the foundation. If you're building a club, this is the foundation that you want to start it on. Yeah. And I, so I don't mind having four right co- going forward because what happens if John does go back in six months? Yeah. Then what happens if it doesn't right, work right, out? Exactly. Yeah. Then you're then and, you're stuck at two, and then a good young promising goalkeeper is now off with somebody else. And right. then the other thing is there are pool keepers that Major League Soccer has. So there's a reason if they're a pool goalkeeper, there's a reason for that. Well, usually, yeah. But wait, what's a pool goalkeeper? Uh, so there are like two or three that are signed to MLS contracts, so that if a club has two goalkeepers fall to injury, they automatically get assigned there. The last instance of this going well was when Sporting Kansas City had I don't remember who the starter was and Andy Grindebaum get hurt, and so Tim Melia stepped in as a pool goalkeeper, and he's been their starter ever since. So there's like one. So there's like chance for it works out. Teachers. They have like they, yeah. they train with the team. Oh, okay. So they have a, a home-based team that they train okay. with oh, okay. day in and day out, and 
like Jeff said, if there's an emergency okay. emergency situation, they can go to a team and maybe be there for a week or two weeks or three weeks, however long is needed. But yeah. again, okay. but like you said, you're basically talking about the guys that don't find a top three spot somewhere. So right. it's not something you want to put. You don't want to put too much faith. Hey, all the all the all the outfield players start throwing spitballs at them. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're still good goalkeepers. But the 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 last thing I'll say is just that um, the the only update on Bashkim Kadri, who's the Danish player. Uh, who is rumored to, well it's not really rumored reported to be there is contact between he his agent who is in Arizona and the team Kadri uh seems to want to the article reading it in Danish so reading Google Translate um Oh it, you didn't study Danish well I did but I also use Google Translate to, wow. to make it, make sure I feel like one of didn't the, trust one, of the one of the people you being one of the people yeah, yeah I don't want to I don't want to rub it in. Doctor. Uh, anyway, he uh, he seems to want to make sure that that he still has a contract back at Co- in Copenhagen. He he has if he came here on loan, he would have six months left on his contract there when he got back. He wants an extension before he comes here. Um, I don't know anything more about this. Uh, I I guess uh, it's something that I could have pursued today, but um, we'll see. I, yeah. I I still think that having him in the team would be pretty. Freaking awesome with uh, him, him, Ibarra, and Molino, like just racing at other teams. I would be. I could. I'd... I could handle that. Um, also, a couple weeks ago, uh, there were talks that Suni Saad was going to be coming to Minnesota United. It looks like he's going to Sporting Kansas City now, um, which makes sense. Signed. I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, they announced it today. That was that was going to be a difficult get. I mean, I think Suni, all things equal, he wants to go back to KC. He loved it there. Uh, took an opportunity to go play over in Asia, closer to where uh, his home country is. So he could play with his national team. Um, so, I mean, it makes sense going back there. And, and he's absolute BFFs with Dom, Dom Dwyer. So, oh. I mean, I think there was, I think Dom Take that probably, Sydney, yeah, I think he probably sent a few uh, emoji um, <laughs> praying hand symbols. So Suni, please come back. So is he the Miguel to Dom Dwyer's Christian? Oh, in this? 100%. And likewise, wow. he's coming back to a very married Dom. And a very and, married uh, Christian. Yeah, so you're right. Gonna, take that, wingers. Yeah. Always the wingman. Sleeping on the food on the futons. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break and come back, and then uh, we are going to dive into the depths of uh, Jamie Watson's uh, deeper consciousness. <laughs> We are back with the fifty-five-one podcast. Jamie Watson, you're the man of the hour now. Yeah, guys, stop it. Hey, Let's, um, some things never, never the, get old. That they won't never die. will. Um, that won't. Die. You know, I, I want to. Uh, in a minute, I want to go back and talk a little bit about your past. Um, but right now, we talked at the beginning, at the top of the show, about uh, your kind of new role and moving into this. But you're only 30, and I want to ask you about the kind of decision to retire at 30 and move into this this other role. Has and this is your first non preseason, right? Right. And first non preseason since March of 2000, February of 2005. Yeah. So has this been pretty 
surreal? Is it was it a difficult uh, decision to make? Or yeah, I mean, what I mean, honestly, the probably the the most difficult question in the whole interview process uh, that was posed to me was, "What's going to happen in February when preseason starts? Are you going to miss it? Are you going to regret your decision?" And I looked right at the person interviewing me and said, "Of course, I'm going to miss it, but I'm also going to miss it." when I'm 60 years old and it's February come, comes around again and it's time for a new season and I, I'm always going to miss it. So that doesn't necessarily change anything because I know that this is the smart decision and the right decision for me. Um, and so this is what I want to do. This is This was literally working in broadcast television for Minnesota United was the only job I would have quit playing soccer for. And you, you wouldn't have gone down to uh, do broadcast television in uh, 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 Jacksonville? Nope. Okay. Nope. This was the only job. And when they gave me the opportunity and the foot in the door, I was extremely grateful. And this is what I want to do. And I told Jeff this when we sat down after it was all said and done um, and talked about it. Um, I think if I'm I'm being humble when I say this, this is not anything other than just reflection. I think I was a good soccer player. I think I can be great at this. Mm -hmm. And so I want to run with it um, and go with it and see how good we can be. And I want to take everything I learned from my playing days on the field and off the field into this and just kick some ass. Yeah, But in the case that Molino's injured, Mm -hmm. you could also just... You know, strip off the tra- the you know, put buttons, put uh, snaps on your on your suit, on my men's warehouse suit, yeah, rip yeah, them off, yeah, yeah, and go. I'm ready, coach. I I tried that. I saw Adrian uh, <laughs> a couple of days before they went down to preseason, and I said, hey, you know, gosh, we haven't signed a lot of players yet. I know some of your drills that you like to run need a lot of guys in the in the drill. You know, I've I've run a couple times at Lifetime Fitness. What do you think? And he looked at me and put his hand on my shoulder and said, son, if he gets that desperate, I'll just walk away from the game forever. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, you know what? All right. Thanks, man. Good talk. I'm going to go grab my uh, my cube around the corner if you need me. Uh, We'll talk about sideline stuff if you need. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I I mean, you are the, the kind of young age, but that you are of, of this kind of retiring. But I, I do remember when you first came here, one of the first conversations that you and I had was, you know, I'm thinking about the transition that I want to make. You, you were, you said, I was thinking maybe in Orlando, I could make, make the MLS team for a couple of years and then transition into this Brian Dunseth role of, of kind of being the local soccer media guy. Um, and then you came here and that was kind of that, it seemed to me that you were here to play soccer first and foremost, but that if you could do well enough and stick here and, and make ingratiate yourself into the community that, that you could do this. So it seems like this has been a long plan for you. Yeah. I, I think you hit the nail on the head talking about Brian Dunseth because I saw what Dunny did as his playing days were dwindling. And I've seen so many players that have gotten into a situation at the end of their career where it's what now, and they haven't thought about it ending because as crazy as it sounds, Jeff and Wes, you honestly get this mindset that it's going to go on forever. 
and it's easy to get wrapped up into it. It's going to be another preseason, and it's going to be the another dog days of summer, but we're going to push through it. And it's another playoff push. It's another playoff that ends in a championship or, or heartbreak. But we'll get back at it again next year, and you know, and and maybe it'll be here. Maybe I've got another year. Maybe it's a little bit of off season where I don't have a team, and then I sign somewhere else, and you you go somewhere else and start all over, and it's it's a new process. But I didn't want to be in a situation where there was a surprise. So I was I was. I was hopeful that if I put myself out there and really invested myself um, in the community, that hopefully they would latch onto me and I could latch onto them and there would be something there maybe after the playing days. You can have the the best game plan in the world, but if it doesn't, if you don't get lucky and, and have a lot of great people helping you out along the way, it doesn't pan out the way that you want it to. And, and and hope for it too. So I got lucky in a, in the sense that everything kind of fell in the right place, and I had a lot of good people, a lot of great people around me that really helped me. So I'm extremely grateful. So now that I have this opportunity, um, I know how this was in the back of my mind, and I and I worked hard at it, and did a lot of appearances and a lot of things where you're in the car for an hour and you're not getting necessarily paid for it, but you're going and promoting the club and you're you're connecting with people at a, at a soccer camp um, in the middle of the summer in Burnsville, you know. But it but it it comes back tenfold you you get out of it what you put in and so i'm grateful but i know that there's a lot of other people that want this job that i have um so i'm going to be appreciative of it every day that and work for it to to hold on to it no doubt and i think one step of that probably is figuring out what what your persona is and i it's something that a lot of people who do tv analysis disagree on is is it a performance is it you being genuine is it you performing what's my genuine shtick, right what's you know, my bit right so like when you look at people um who do this whether it's sideline whether it's uh people who are up in the booth um studio people who do you look at as saying they do it in a way that i think will end up being similar to how i do it or do you say completely i'm not watching it i'm just completely tunnel vision to my job well i look at three people that come to mind first and foremost donnie's number one for me i think what he's been able to do um from a relatability standpoint um is Unmatched. I think he is the most relatable commentator that can connect with anybody that you could send a tweet at 10.52 p.m. about something so stupid, um, you know, that about the snow that's going to affect his hike tomorrow, going up the mountain with his kids, and he's going to tweet back and be like, you know, uh, come join me and we'll see if, you know, we can go up this treacherous path together type thing. Um, I love that about him, and I want to, I want to emulate that. Um, the I'm, like, I'm going to start send, sending you the dumbest tweets ever. I reply to everything. <laughs> I'm, so just, I'm just going to I'm going to make new egg accounts and just be like, "Hey, it's Valentine's Day. Who would your Valentine?" Yeah. And I'd be like, "You egghead." <laughs> I, uh, I love I love his relatability. I love Stu Holden's likability because mm-hmm. I think you instantly look at Stu, and he's a likable guy that doesn't um, come off as. Um, full of it and talk down to you and he he's just a guy that you watch and you go I like what he has to say and I like him um but then I like the polishedness of Taylor Twellman I think that he has that polished look and appeal to him that puts him in a lead broadcasting role so take a morphed version of Dunseth Holden and Twellman put that all together and shrink have, it by about six inches. And you have yeah. Ian Dark. And you have me. Oh, I don't have a cool accent like him. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask, are you going to are you going to adopt some fake accent on the side? Spend time with Callum or uh, something? Apart, yeah, Callum, Callum's definitely going to wear off on me, I'm sure. Yeah. Apart Minnesotan, 
uh, part English accent, so yeah. kind of like a, oh, you betcha. Uh, you, uh, yeah. He's set. I, I, wow. Get him on the field. Oh, yeah. Work on that. Oh, we're set. How Minnesotan um, was that? You've lost most of your Texas, actually. Oh, it's I gone. It's yeah. long gone. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm all in on the Minnesotan. As you could tell, yeah. spending spending weekends <laughs> now spending weekends ice fishing during your oh, let's season. go to Fargo. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. Um, yeah, you and I are both Texans, so so th- there's more Texan on this uh, on this podcast than Minnesotan actually. But outnumbered, we stick together too. Neither of us have Texas. I only I didn't live there long enough to get much of an accent. So. Well, you still associate as a Texan. Um, I think then you also have an interesting role. You have a the head coach for your first year as a sideline reporter is a coach that you've played for. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we talked about a bit when we were working on your uh, retirement letter, which is that it's a really interesting kind of dynamic um, of the relationship that you two will have. So I, I guess first off, looking at him as a coach, what are his tactics? How does the ball move? And like, how do they defend? Like, what can Minnesota fans kind of try to start envisioning as we go into the preseason? Adrian, short, short and simple answers. Adrian has the most effective and sim- simplistic tactics in U.S. soccer right now. Um, I think that he has found a way to make every position on the field understandable to every player so you understand what the person on the ball's role and responsibilities are and where everyone should be off the ball whenever that person has has it. So if it's the center back, you need to know where you're going to be when the right center back has it. As he plays it into the next person – where are you going to be when it goes off of the center midfielder or if he plays it out wide to the right back? And there's absolutely no questions about it. It's it's not a – there's only one chef in the kitchen, right? So one cook in the kitchen, I think that's the right verbiage. He, It's his way and that's it. So it's not this, well, I think we should do this. And this guy's saying, I think we should do that. It's that way and that's it. So there's no question about it. And I think that it always provides you two and three options. And as a player – that is an absolute luxury to have, and I don't know why more coaches don't do it that way. There's a book, right? Like, he has an actual tactics book. Is that correct? I mean, I've never seen this book, okay. but it's... I've, I've been I, I've been told that there's, a, that there's like, a an actual, like, this is the, the gospel according to... And maybe only if the coaches did, have it. If he did, he'd be smart to publish that and or make maybe, a ton well, of money. Yeah, well, maybe when he's done Maybe coaching. when he's done playing, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Hand it out don't to the other. Don't give the handbook uh, about it. Okay, yeah. The good but, thing is, is every team... There's a reason why Orlando yeah. City was so good at USL and would make these runs in the Open Cup against MLS teams because even against better competition, the system works with yeah. lesser players. He made myself, who is a very mediocre, above mediocre player that could thrive in a system like that. He made me look good because the system made me look good. I benefited from that. And if it can make... A player of my my quality look good. Imagine when you get a lot better players that you have on the squad right now doing it. They're so, gonna they're gonna be good. So I'm curious what the you know how where, how does the ball move move down the pitch when when the game plan is hey the goalkeeper has it we're moving we're moving up the pitch what what's going on is is it is it thought through that no matter what. You're basically, hey, we want to start pushing through, and we want the center backs distributing to to these. Is, is it that kind of regis- uh, um, regulated, or, it, or is it's it... about finding pockets of space because okay. there's space there, and if you're in a good pocket of space, you don't need to necessarily run out of it. Stay there if it's on, and you're in a good spot. 
Let the game go because everyone gets attracted to the ball and starts getting sucked over to the side of the field. And if you're in a good spot, stay there because it's a good spot. If the spot changes or, or a defender figures it out, okay, there's no longer a good pocket of space. Find a new one. The the ball's always it. One of the best terms, and any any kid that's ever listened to me coach has heard me say this, um, your your eyes are like a digital picture, right? We all When we all take selfies and pictures of other people with our iPhones, we take about 15 pictures. And it's I was all in LA with Wes, I can attest to that. He yeah. takes like 15 selfies. Right, and, every, every, yeah. and different angles, and maybe this one, your smile looks great, or maybe one eye looks closed, or, or it's a terrible pose, but it's the same picture, but you look at it, and so many little things change at different moments and and if you take two or three steps one way it's the same picture but there's a different angle of it and a different view that's what adrian's all about is taking these snapshots of the field as you look up to find these pockets of space and if you're not on the ball can you take a snapshot of where the ball is where the back four and the midfield are can you find the space and can you get into that space now if the picture changes or the angle changes you change with it and you take a new set of pictures with your eyes and you find a new uh, frame and angle of it to take and it's the game changes but you can be smarter than it and you don't have to rely on your athleticism to just run by people mm-hmm. a guy who's not as fast later on in his career like myself can still do really well in that because it's about being smarter than others and this system allows you to to use your mind to think about it but then when you get in a good spot and you get in that good pocket and you get the ball you're able to turn you've now taken out the forwards and the midfield four, you're looking at a back four with hopefully another run coming through with Christian, Molino on the far side making a run, Miguel, whoever the number 10 is running through, and now you're gotten this option, this option, this option, and mm-hmm. we're going to goal. So one of the one of the biggest questions that I have for the, well, I've got multiple, many questions about the team going into this year, but one of them is, is thinking about Christian uh, and every. You, the three of us, all know what Christian can do on, on the pitch, right? Yep. We've seen uh, some of the most uh, the most amazing goals I've ever seen live have all come from Christian, um, except for Viva. Viva's his first goal for the team that was that was in the the most amazing category. Fair so, enough, goal of the year. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I guess that so. Counts anyway, all, all every other one came from Christian, and so I, you know, the question is, can can Christian move to this to MLS with this? And I, I wonder from what you're describing about how, how Heath's uh, tactics work and how this team is set up, that seems to fit what Christian does, which Christian is uh, is two things. One is he's a poacher. He's a Chris Wondolowski. The ball is there. I'm going to put it in the back of the net. Somehow I'm in amazing space. The other is he's really good at connecting with other players. Yep. Um, very selfless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And having Miguel back will help that a lot because the two of them will just spend the whole time, you know, just dinking it back and forth uh, with no luck doing. You score. Glo- no, you score. Yeah. Har- Harlem Globetrotter type stuff around the Washington Generals. We can only hope, right? Yeah. And <laughs> and I wonder. So is am I imagining right then what what you're saying that this is a system that might actually bring out what we want to see in Christian, which is. If we can, if Christian can buy into it, there's a lot of ifs. But if Christian can buy into it, that this is about finding people to connect in these spaces, or yeah, Adrian's system. If you play number nine in Adrian's system, I saw it with Max Griffin and I saw it with Dennis Chin, guys that are not household names but were league leading goal scorers. Because if you play number nine in Adrian's system, you are going to score between ten, twelve, fifteen goals a year because the system is set up 
to benefit the number nine. The number nine's job is to score goals, and that's that's it. And simply put, that's what Christian does best. Christian can create space to get a shot off better than 99.9% of the players I've seen play. Hmm. Um, and it's remarkable. He always seems to make the right decision of, do I put my foot through the ball this time and smash it? Or is this the one where I open up my body and I side foot, you know, simple pass into the corner? Um, he will, there, there's not a better coach that Christian could have for his first year in MLS, um, making the adjustment because Adrian will instill the confidence in him to be a goal scorer, but will also put him in a situation where he can succeed. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, the last tax tactical question is, does, do you think that there need there still needs to be someone on the team who can do that holding dirty work job is you know Colin Colin's a guy who can play that um but he he would be probably one of the, he would be the only midfielder as far as we know in in this group who embodies that role you know uh, Mo and Schuler and Ibsen Ibsen hello his name is Ibsen hello my name is Ibsen uh mm. all of those guys are are not you know Mo and Schuler are medium build guys who are not, you know, tough guys. Um, do, does but does do we need that in this team? Is that still a, a kind of uh, and uh, should that be still on the shopping list? Well, you could always use a Gattuso in the middle, can't you? You could use a, sure. a real asshole winning ball midfielder that or ball winning midfielder in there that can go in and and crush somebody, but then keep possession. Yeah, if you can do that. You're probably playing in, you know, the Champions League, right? Because every every team's going to be after you if you can go find that guy, and if you are that guy. But um, so there's always space in the team for that. But I think if if the team can be a possession oriented team like Adrian wants it to be, um, the idea is hopefully you're not needing somebody to go after and and chase down midfielders running through the ball. Hopefully you're not losing the midfield because there's there's hopefully three in the midfield if you bring the number ten back. If that's you know, Molino, if that's Venegas, you know, if that's um, Bashkrim, you know what I mean? Whoever it is that might be yeah. in that role, that player comes back and can help defensively a little bit as well. So if you're keeping possession the way Adrian wants it to, you don't necessarily need that. Now, if you're a team that's struggling to keep possession and you're turning it over all the time and you're constantly on the back foot, then yeah, you do need a guy like that. So if it all goes the way that it's supposed to, the team is fine with players like Mo, like Colin, like Schuler, like Gibson, guys that keep possession and can go side to side, but are clever enough to look north and south when needed. So, um, so it's going to yeah. depending on the front three and really the front four how they do in possession. And if they give away cheap turnovers, then you know maybe they'll be the market for that in the summertime. Or if we're looking good by midseason and everything's going well. Um, then no, I don't yeah. think you necessarily need it. the The season will sort itself out, and that'll that question will answer itself, I think, in the first half of the year. Yeah, I want I want to finish on this for this segment, which is uh, we have to I, we have to partially at least retell the 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 most famous Minnesota Jamie Watson story, which is you dive like Jamie Watson, um, and, and that. I believe was coined when you were in uh, when you were at Real Salt Lake. Were you a, a rookie that year? Two thousand five, my first year, first Open Cup. And you come to Minnesota, and you're playing the Minnesota Thunder, 
and uh, you know, if if Bruce were here, he he could tell this this the the dark clouds side of it better. Um, but I believe you probably took a, a really cheap dive in the, in the first half or something like that. I was that. way so, yeah, too well, small to be playing a number nine forward yeah. next to Jason well, let's, Christ. Let's give you the chance to attest. Was it a dive or was it a true bit of contact? No, I, I mean, I was getting hit. Yeah. But when you're my size, I mean, I didn't necessarily do everything I could to stay up. But I wasn't, like, diving per se. But I'm a small guy. What, I mean, hey I'm sorry. Like... Anybody really bumps into me on the street, I'm probably going to fall down. So, so, so it's better to say you sell it like Jamie Watson. Yeah, you are five foot eight on a good day yeah. like Jamie Watson. I don't know. <laughs> so, so uh, I was getting, I was getting yeah. roughed up. By the way, the Thunder knew exactly what they needed to do. They needed to come in, make it a physical, ugly game, and I was on the receiving end of probably a lot of Brian Coleman kicks to the ankles. Mm-hmm. Um, if he was playing in the game, it was probably him kicking me. Um, because definitely wasn't Johnny Mignonger. He was the only guy I've ever been taller than on the field, except for Dax McCarty. <laughs> it's Johnny Mignonger, Dax McCarty, and me, the three shortest in U.S. soccer history. Um, uh, and then Miguel's got to be shorter than you. Yeah, Miguel. Miguel actually is pretty. He is yeah. pretty short. Um, anyway, so was, that was just more of a shot at Dax because, yeah. uh, of course, he's going to be listening in too. Yeah, Dax is a big. Guy. He's always he's a big fifty-five point really, guy. He's always telling me we don't me really that. read his questions anymore because it's just like, come it's on, like, guys. you get it, Dax. Stop. He's created yeah, the fake stop. accounts to ask who yeah, our Valentine right? is. So, uh, yeah. okay. Max Ducardi. <laughs> no one will ever know. Um, but anyway, so we ended up. Uh, I got I got taken off the game uh, in the in the middle of the game, and and I don't know, it was Bruce and. Bruce's Bruce cohorts, all, all, all of the all of those early dark clouders uh, sat behind the bench, the visiting bench, and they started chanting it, and I was fuming because all the guys on my team were laughing. Yeah, along and the, the, with the, the song was "You Dive Like Jamie Watson." I was fuming. I was and, so mad. We were losing. We ended up losing six to four. Um, Melvin Tarley, Melvin Tarley, glory day, scored some goals on us, and uh, um, yeah, I was I was pissed. My teammates were loving it, but the the crazy part was. Somehow it stuck, and I would get phone calls from guys years later that would be like, "Dude, I, uh, you know, we play in this other league, and I had an away game today at Minnesota, and like I got kicked, you know, in the middle of the game, and and all of a sudden they started chanting something like you dive like Jamie Watson. Yeah. What the hell, man? Like you don't even play in this league, and I'm like, <laughs> you played this. You got to be once. kidding me. This thing's still yeah. going, and so then I'm with Dax." My college roommate Chris, uh, another buddy, and we're in Toronto for MLS Cup in 2009 when Dallas was playing Colorado, mm-hmm. and we're walking to the next next bar or whatever, and uh, all of a sudden I hear, "You dive like Jamie Watson," and all of a sudden I whip my head around and I think it's Bruce. And were you there with him no, too? No, I was not. You weren't there. 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 It there was, was Bruce and someone me. else. Yeah, they had started, but my college buddies now heard it. Yeah. And I didn't live that down the rest of the weekend. And they got a great kick out of it. And I remember having way too many drinks with with Bruce there telling the story about my buddies calling. And so it stuck. And it's now I'm getting tweets that they're going to have to change it uh, to something else now that I'm not playing anymore. But I don't know what. The dark clouds have teased that. No, there's there's no changing that one. That one's staying? (laughs) Just so you as have much to, as I've tried to shake just, it, it just, just so you it doesn't have to go explain anyway. it to the audience uh, as they watch the game at home. Um, I, I mean, because I first ran into it when I first came to a game in 2009, 2010. And then, and then in 2011, is that when you came on loan? 2012, 2012 yeah. You came on loan 
for the team, and you that you did score a goal eventually Scored during that goal. period, right? It's Puerto and Rico, so, and we were so excited that you were here because it, you know it's this long legacy of signing uh, players you, that you, you hate, were, yeah, players that guys you, hate. you love to hate, yep. Ricardo uh, Sanchez, know, pa- Pablo, Pablo, uh, yeah, myself, yep. Uh, and and so. Then you score the goal, and then you did the 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 dive in front of the dark clouds. It was it was a, a fant- it, it was, was Kevin Friedland. It was all him. Yeah. Said you know what? If you score, you have to come do this. And all the boys ran over, and and we did it all simultaneously. And probably one of my favorite celebrations. That one, and I signed the camera once after a goal in Orlando. But <laughs> ask Adrian about that one if you ever get a chance to. It was uh, okay. we were winning the game, and he was it was it was two that made it two zero. Adrian Heath, I guess, forgot the score because it went 2-1 uh, before half. And he went into the locker room screaming and cussing about, we want to do all these celebrations and everything, and we're losing. And I was like, no, we're not. But you can't really argue with Adrian Heath when he's in the middle of a <laughs> right, rant. Yeah. Excuse me. He ended up <laughs> benching me the next game, which is an Open Cup game, and didn't play me, I don't think, to like the 90th minute like in these <laughs> – crap you know uh stoppage time and it's just really to prove a point i mean i just scored we had just won a game and he was completely wrong about the score line when he yelled at me but he benched (laughs) me for it so all right i would actually actually make sure you warn all the new all the new players under under him for minnesota about that you know what and it was all the it was all the cameraman's idea austin hiddle he was he was like you know what you know how they do it in tennis when they win like wimbledon and you sign with a dry erase marker and everything you should do it did uh, this is brilliant it took me like a year because i don't think i scored the rest of the season when he came yeah. up with the idea. So the next season when we so did it. So did Austin start the Open Cup match? Or was he benched too? No, Austin the was the, the camera guy. He, yeah, was he, he... Oh, he was... Uh, I took the rap for it. I didn't want to okay. take anybody else for it. I was... I never... Stitches get... Or snitches get stitches, right? Snitches yeah, get stitches. Exactly. That's, that's, well, that's the Minnesota way. Live, live by those words. Let's just finish on a couple of Twitter questions here. Uh... This uh, the first one here is from Adam Jarvie here. He points out that nine of sixteen teams in Sweden play on artificial term, turf. Eight of sixteen play on turf in Norway. Is this a factor for targeting players who will be more willing to play in Minnesota for the turf? Do you think that that matters at all? I for- think well. Honestly, I think it does more than we probably give credit to, especially for players coming from other leagues. Because if you're playing in a league where you're used to playing grass every week and you're going to be like, okay, 17 times a year you're going to be playing on this turf field, even if it's decent turf, you're going to be like, are you kidding me? You know, like, why am I going to start playing on a trampoline? Like, at least a couple players that I've spoken with have said that, yeah, that's a factor for them. Hmm. So, maybe less for the player, but more for the team is that they can look at this player and I, Jamie, you'll have much better insight on this than me, but um, the team can say, okay, well, um, of Boji has been able to play goal this many times a year on turf. So maybe he'll be able to read the game better. I'll go the opposite way and disagree with you and say that it would never be a make or break thing for me. If you played on turf or didn't play on turf, it's an added bonus if it is on grass, but I think turf is so, uh, maybe this maybe this is an Americanized view of it, but it's so normal now, unfortunately, that I I I don't I don't know anybody that I've ever personally played with or heard of say, no, I'm not gonna do it because it's turf apart from Jogba. You know what I mean? I think there's right. very few players that 
or like in this country year old Tyrion right? that are gonna that are gonna say that right and you can count them on one hand but I, I don't think it's a make or break I think it's a oh man like that sucks but oh well I'll you'll get, still I'll take get, your yeah you're gonna you're gonna take the move if I a think. guy like Georgie Samaras can handle Ryo OKC for a year anything's possible right um, this is a long question, so I won't read it all. This Jay Chemish sent me an email, um, and basically he he's referring to guys like Darlington Nagby, um, Piatti, Castillo. These situations where players want out, or, and Nagby maybe didn't want out, but Castillo is a good example. Castillo wanted out, and he points out that MLS clubs are kind of giving into them in the case of uh, Dallas, um, and he says. Uh, what's what is that behind behind desperately wanting to hold on to these guys is that something where they just don't have uh they they haven't properly scouted to replace him are the mechanisms to get a player difficult that it's easier to just hold on to a guy than to try to try to replace them um uh, yeah and so did i I miss anything in that question i'm trying to that's that's about fair i i think the the case with this, and you look at even like a Matt Miazga going to Chelsea, and that one was actually New York, Rosenball Sport New York was actually pretty willing to send him um, once he decided that he'd wanted to leave. But you look at a guy like Castillo, it's not just like you're sending another one of the guys, that's your best player. And I think that that's where the reluctancy comes in. You look at a guy like Nagby or his teammate, Fernando Adi, you look like uh, at Ignacio Piatti, these are the best players on playoff clubs, or in some cases, title-winning clubs. So it's not like they're just saying, you know, hey, I know that you're a starter here, um, and we have better goal scorers or creators, so we can let you go. You know, like you look at other leagues, other clubs, if it's and if it's a player like Nagby, who spent his entire career in Portland, and Portland really sees him as like one of his own, or like, Fabian Castillo, who only played for Dallas and came up with them when he was a kid, like, of course that they're going to be really possessive until they get a godfather offer for the guy. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, I, I can see the two different sides of it. Um, I think as a player, uh, a big motivation, it, you're naive to think that, that money doesn't motivate players because it does, because there's very few of us that um, will ever make enough money that loyalty will trump money. Because when money, when you're financially secure for the rest of your life and your kids are sad and your kids' kids are sad like some of the guys in Europe, yeah, that's why Toti will never leave. Because he understands at that point it's not about the money because he's set. But when it is about the money and you're not um, getting paid what you feel that you're worth, I can understand, you know, uh, Paul Tenorio mentioned it, that Kevin Molino wanted out of Orlando. I don't know if he necessarily wanted out of Orlando. He wanted to be paid what he thought he was worth Mm -hmm. and I can understand that. And if the club wants to say, well, you know, we have salary cap issues and we don't want to necessarily do that. Um, you know, it's not advantageous for us. Player gets to the point where I was in it myself. I was nominated for league MVP and I don't, uh, in in Orlando. And I don't think I was in the top 10 paid players on the team. I was maybe the seventh, eighth highest paid guy on the team. And even I was kind of like, you know, the hell you know i mean and this is on the lowest rung of it like i thought you know i i think i should deserve a better contract than this and sure then i got shipped out of there so saw how that worked find but, me uh, that honda accord yeah so the moral at the four door not the two door this time <laughs> so the moral is if you're an orlando player who feels underpaid give us your tired your weary masses and yeah, send, send, us them to send us Christian Higita, <laughs> we're looking for you buddy and uh last question here i think is a good one from matt axelson who asks um, all three of us, uh, what would be each of your walkout songs? Like if you were a wrestler 
or soccer, you don't get like an individual walkout song. Or uh, the other example was improv, and I'm just going to assume that's a thing that improv troops do. What song would you choose as a now taking the pitch from North Carolina? Um, I think the one song I would listen to right before I walked out onto the field and I would put on the locker room because I think everybody on the locker room speaker, I think everyone liked it, um, was that song that they did the Nike commercial to before the World Cup um, by Ex Ambassadors, Jungle. Um, I don't know this. I'm sure it probably would. It's, yeah. it, they, they put like a clip in there of like Neymar, Schweinsteiger, Henri, uh, Stuart Scott was in it. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Serena, Sidney LaRue was in it. Every mm-hmm. every type of celebrity was kind of in it. I think even like Lil Wayne was in it, you know? It was, you were just upset that you weren't in up, this. Getting to yeah. the moment. I always thought, yeah, yeah, I'll just uh, yeah, picture myself in there with yeah. the ball too, right? You know, but the song has got this this vibe that gets you in the mood to go out and play the, the video of it. You kind of see the importance of what all different walks of life mean leading up to when the game starts and Neymar was the player that was it ends with him walking out to the field, the music video and everything and, and so I would always listen to that right before we'd go out to play and that always kinda got me in the right frame of mind. So if I'm if I'm going out there to wrestle some big dude, I'm gonna need to be in the right frame of mind. So I'm going with that. Ex Ambassador's Jungle. There you go. I it's a recent change. It used to be Black Skinhead by Kanye West for me. And recently, I think maybe now it's now it's not that I need the motivation. I just I carry the swagger with me as I'm going into this wrestling match. And so it's the opening silky smooth sounds of Redbone by Childish Gambino. And I just stroll in. I've got this going for me. I've got Donnie G and his falsetto singing me out God, there. So good. Ugh, anything. I just want to watch that guy play like badminton poorly or something, so that I know that Donald Glover isn't good at everything he does. And he'd probably be the best trash talker too. He'd be like, "God, it's so smooth." Oh, no doubt. So that would be my song, "Redbone Childish uh, I, I mean, I had a, lots of things come come to mind. I, I'm I'm the type of person. I I don't I don't need any any hype, and I I I believe that you know I'd probably either uh, let's see. You know, I'd walk out there, and and everyone else can. You know, they need big, big, flashy music like you guys. Um, I, I, something came to mind, and then that just slipped me. So then, I, I would say probably um, uh, this would be more content-wise. Speaking about me, uh, Radiohead's letdown. <laughs> so you're you're just hoping that the guy in the ring is sitting there listening to all the words going. Oh, that that second verse really just no. I'm just saying I was spoke more that I'm going to be a letdown. Yeah. <laughs> really this is so anticlimactic. You, this just, is you a... all overpaid for this ticket to be here tonight. No, this, yeah. he is the definition no, actually, of a false I would, I would nine. Go, the, the one that came <laughs> to like, mind it was uh, Marvin Gaye's "Let's Get It On." That's, Ooh, there, <laughs> you there you go. Just because then uh, people would be like, partially. Should I, should I be aroused? I'm a little bit aroused. Yeah, uh, confusion is is my game. Uh, Jamie, thank you uh, so much for for coming on with us and and talking uh, deep in the weeds with of tactics and stuff. But of course, I'm I'm really excited about this next stage for you. Where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. You guys do a great job. Um, I think a lot of people are are big fans and appreciative of all the hard work you guys do. Um, keep it up because you but guys you're know not. the game. <laughs> a lot of people. A lot are. of people. A lot of people. A lot are. of people are saying you're good. Are. Yeah, but many people. There's are like saying. at least two fans in this room. Um, <laughs> no, I'm a fan as well, guys. You guys do a great job. Um, um, so I, I encourage everybody to uh, donate if you can, what you can to to the cause. Um, I will as well. Um, as far as finding me on Twitter, follow at your own risk. Don't follow too closely. Um, <laughs> at Jamie Watson seventy seven. Um, go on there. Maybe it's funny. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But 
feel free. I'll, I'll try to make people feel connected from the road this season if, if and when we make the trips and, and everything, um, if that's a possibility we don't know yet. But yeah. uh, or, at, or at game days at home, you know, just kind of giving you some behind-the-scenes content. And hopefully you'll like it. If not, there's the unfollow but, button. But everyone should send as many banal questions to you as possible. <laughs> I'm scared to check the mentions tomorrow. Just, oh, man. This, just, like, tell them about what, you're, what you made for breakfast. Ask them what he ate for breakfast. All these What's things. What's your preferred weed to have in your yard? Like, if you oh. run in... Yeah. <laughs> that took a turn, guys. Hey, he's retired, man. <laughs> he's retired. Uh, he does what he wants to. Marigolds. Marigolds. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Reuter. That's all I'm going to okay. say. And I'm go. Wes. I'm in Nice FC. Thank you, everyone. Uh, subscribe to this podcast uh, on all the things. We're, we're going to go. We've gone, gone for a long podcast, but thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs>